It's the Awake Space Astrology Podcast, and I'm Lori Rivers, here to help you with some inspiration to get those aspirations out into the world. And I hope you're having a very happy new moon. Happy isn't quite the word I'd use for it. It's a little bit intense, but it's great for pushing through the blocks. I'll recap what I talked about in episode 48. But this week, I kind of want to talk about some of the lunations happening. And that's where the moon is moving through the signs. And the moon governs our day to day. So I'm going to do a little bit of a refresh for you on what lunations are and why I pay so much attention to them. And then we're going to talk about what we can expect with Sag season starting up on the 22nd. We get a little bit of a hint of Sag season starting later today when the moon moves into Sagittarius um, and makes a connection with Mercury. And so we'll talk about that in the top of the show. And of course, we're going to thank our patrons because the patrons sponsor this podcast and we'll thank our newest patrons. There's a whole bunch of you guys. Welcome, welcome. And we'll talk about that. And I'm going to talk about William Randolph Hearst. And if you don't know who William Randolph Hearst was, he was the first big media magnet in the 19th and 20th centuries. And we're going to look at his astrology chart because with all of this energy moving into Sag soon, thought we'd talk about the role of journalism and world events. William Randolph Hearst was pretty much the Rupert Murdoch of his day. So we'll talk about him and his chart. I'll do some uh, astrology Q&A. And of course, we'll get you ready for Sag season because hold on to your hats, folks. It's just not easing up. Uh, The energy will change, though. Let me tell you, it's going to change significantly. But I want you guys to be ready for the energy of this week coming and what it's going to be like moving into next week a little bit just before the sun slides into Sagittarius. It's going to be a wild ride. So buckle up get your coffee. Um, I'm making my coffee at home these days. I don't know about you, but I found some good recipes. Um, there's some good ones on making sauces to put in. I've been putting some vanilla extract in my coffee. I've got lavender extract too. It's really good. Um, so shall we drive to work? Shall we start the laundry? Shall we do the dishes together? My friends, I love it when you tell me how I keep you company. So, and no, I haven't moved yet. <laughs> I'm trying, guys. They're fixing up the place. They're fixing up the guest house. And uh, I'll be moving soon. It, it's me too in a holding pattern. But uh, that's all right. I get to be creative here. And I will be more creative there. I'll talk a little bit um, in the second half of the show. A little bit about what we'll be doing on what most people call Turkey Day and what we're going to be making and what you can look forward to because we're going to film it, hopefully, after I moved in. But uh, it's kind of hurry up and wait time here on the Awake Space Astrology Podcast. So let's get going. Let's talk about the astrology of the week and what energy you can look forward to or brace yourself for here on the Awake Space Astrology Podcast. Thank you. 
right, let's talk about the astrology this week. So we have the new moon. You're you're living in that new moon energy now. The moon became new early, early this morning. And it is uh, time to set those strategic plans. I, I'm going to recap it just very briefly if you want the full skinny on the new moon and you didn't listen to episode 48, go back and listen to the second half of that show if you want to know what's up and how to set those strategic plans. But a strategic plan is something that you're going to set for an existing issue, an existing project, an existing business, an existing career, you know, your education, whatever you're focused on. It's very helpful to look at the house in your astrology chart where the new moon formed, which is at 21 degrees of Scorpio. That will tell you, okay, where you're going to be able to set some benchmarks for yourself over the next six months. You really want to make a plan from now to April of 2024. Okay. And you, you can just outline it. Okay. The thing you get to break through, the thing you get to break through are the mental blocks with this one. So if you constantly look at what you don't have or what you need versus what you've got, this is a time to look at what you already have and, and how can you make that work to get to the next step? Okay. And we usually have a lot more resources available than we think we do. Now, I'm not just talking about money. I think that's the first thing. Everybody always thinks they have to have more money than they need to take a next step in a project. Maybe you think you need investment, or maybe you think you need people's buy-in, or maybe you think you need um, to have a finished product, or maybe you think you need you know things that are expensive. And the thing with this energy, with this new moon, it is what do you have that can be leveraged? It could be knowledge. It could be your skill sets. So um, it might be, you know, even if you don't know everything you need to know to move forward, your capacity to learn your capacity to try, your capacity to investigate and research. Okay. Those are all really good things to, to double in, double down on or dial into what you want to be letting go of is any past failures, mistakes. If you're thinking about those, what did you learn from them? And, and don't be, you know, well, I learned not to do that again. You know, um, I'm self-taught when it comes to building websites. Okay. I never took any classes on building websites. I played around with it from the nineties. I learned to code at one point and then started using platforms and it's really just click around until you find something that works. If your design isn't working, if things are muddied up, you learn to clear it up. Visuals were my weakest point. And then Canva got invented because I hated Photoshop. The interface didn't work for me. And so when Canva came around, I was like, oh, well, this makes it easier because I'm good if I'm given like a pre-made layout and then I can tweak it. I'm good at that. Um, 
I will never be a graphic designer. That's that's not part of my talents. But the more I focused on, oh, I'm not good at that, the worse it was. <laughs> and I do most of my own graphics. Okay. So are they perfect? No. Are they as good as what a graphic designer can do? Probably not. Right. But, but I can make it passable. Right. So you lean into your talents and your skills. And, and if you're going to be such an Eeyore that you're like, I don't have any talent. I don't have any skills. I don't know how to do anything. Are you kidding? Are you kidding? Of course you do. Okay. This is not the time to luxuriate in, in moping. This is the time to really take stock at all the different things you can do. Like people ask me, what if the internet went away? And I'm like, well, I'm really good at cooking. I'm really good at gardening. I'm really good at, you know, um, I could probably teach things. You know, I could go to a brick and mortar store. Those are all things I could do if I had to, if I had to, there's other skills I could do. I'm very good at developing businesses, things like that. So, and, and I've had to make uncomfortable choices in my life where I've had to lean into my skill sets because I didn't have any cash flow or any money at all. Um, and I'm not, I'm not saying, oh, I was down to my last credit card. No, no. Like I had no money. <laughs> so there's always, this is kind of like where there's a will, there's a way. And you want to create a strategic plan. You don't really want to look at austerity measures, like what you can cut out. You really want to look at what you can build on. Okay. With this new moon energy. And again, for more information about that, go listen to episode 48. That's the latest, that's the episode before this one. This is episode 49. So beyond the Scorpio new moon, later today, later today, the moon will pop into Sagittarius. Now, if you're a patron, you have access to what? The moon phase video where I go through all of all eight moon phases and how you can use those phases energetically. Okay. And so the, the phase of the moon lasts for three and a half days. So the energy signature is of Scorpio. Okay. And it has a little bit of a cancer element to it. Like a, like the top note would be cancer because it's in the third decan. Okay. And so it's going to have a moony feel to it. There's, there's going to be some big emotions throughout the day until around and even around 6 23 PM Pacific. That's 9 23 Eastern. When the moon pops into Sagittarius, it will still be in the new phase, but then it takes on a different energetical quality. You'd be like, yay, Sagittarius is going to be lighter. It's going to be more visionary, kind of. It moves straight into a square with Saturn. <laughs> so it's kind of like, yay, punk. Um, and so this, if you, if you run into a mental block, step back from it. Okay. Hopefully you've already made your plan or you've started it. And if you run into a mental block, then just take a step back, go do something else, go play a video game, have a gummy, have a cup of hot cocoa, listen to some pleasant music, do something to take your mind off of it and come back to it. Okay. That's, that's, 
there. Now I'm talking about on the personal level of what we can do. I'll be talking about world events a bit, a little bit later in the podcast, but I just wanted to tell you what you can do personally. Now, by the time you wake up the next morning on the 14th, I'm just going to pull that chart up. Of course, did I have it? No, I had a different chart, but we'll talk about that one in a minute. Um, so around 5 a.m. Pacific, which is like 8 a.m. Eastern, the moon and Mercury are going to be conjunct. They're still going to be in a wide square with Saturn. Expect your commute, your Monday morning commute to be a little iffy. Okay. So prep for that. We might be in longer lines at whatever drive through you're going through. Again, I'm making my coffee at home these days. And yet the moon and Mercury are going to be in a sextile with Venus a good part of the morning. Now that is kind of uplifting energy. So your morning should go pretty well. I would listen to any feedback you get, any suggestions people give you. Um, I would listen to anyone who wants to collaborate with you. And when we listen to people, it doesn't mean we have to take every suggestion they give. But if you've been hearing something over and over and over, instead of saying, I know, or, you know, I've tried everything. Well, if it's not working, you haven't tried everything. Okay. You really haven't. There's things you haven't tried because you thought they didn't work, or maybe you haven't gotten the right kind of help because you think something's in the way. And you can choose to dig yourself in deeper, or you can kind of accept some wisdom from somebody who's maybe a little bit further ahead in the game than you, or maybe even somebody who doesn't do what you do, but they offer just like a suggestion that gets the ideas percolating. That could be up on deck. This is really kind of nice collaborative energy. And um, I do that sometimes. I'll ask the mods. I'll be like, okay, I've tried this stuff. It's not working for me. What are your thoughts? And, you know, I'll be like, hey, just give me ideas. Because even if those ideas aren't what I want to do, they might hold some real pearls that I can use as, as I go forward with a project or an idea. So it's really important to be open to suggestions. Okay. Open to commentary and feedback. That's really, really helpful. Um, Maybe you don't want to do something. Maybe, maybe you're morally opposed to it in some way. And is it really that you're morally opposed to it all the way? Or is it how particularly particular people do it? So like, I know a lot of intuitive readers will be like, well, I don't really like marketing myself because there's so many frauds out there. Great. So you not marketing yourself, a person with ethics is now leaving space for all those frauds. You see what I'm saying? So your ethics of like, I don't want to be seen as a fraud. That's kind of a way to duck out of showing up in, in all of your authenticity. Okay. So if I just read you to filth, my apologies, but that's the type of thing I'm talking about. Um, one of the big mistakes I see people making on social media, and I've been on the internet as long as you 
could be on the internet like since it first was unveiled to the public in 1988 i know crazy but um the big mistake i think people make is talking about only what they want to talk about instead of what people are asking them for so like really paying attention to the comments you get if you're not getting engagement there's probably a reason for that you're probably not speaking to the topics that the people who are looking for you really want to hear from you and and or you might be shutting the conversation down in some way i used to be the biggest conversation killer <laughs> um oops i could i used to call myself the thread killer you know and i'd be like oh well i should probably probably get better at that and this is years ago like we're talking 20 years ago and so uh you want to be listening for what people are really looking for and right now i can honestly tell you people it's a scary world out there you know we're looking at just awful things happening in front of our eyes we're seeing a lot of um corruption out in the world we're seeing a lot of a lot of things we thought we'd grown past as a society i think that that's kind of up on deck and um some people thought they'd you know our society had outgrown it because they weren't aware of all the injustice that was still going on in the world and so i think people are looking for reassurance they're looking at what kind of action steps they can take how they can be secure how they can keep their kids secure at least that's what i'm seeing that's why i'm leading with that today with you guys is is giving you guys some action steps and things to think about you don't have to do everything i say the way i've said it you know or but hopefully i've provoked a little bit of thought so that you're like oh i could try this that's really the energy you want to engage with throughout the next couple of days now the crunchy bit is going to come on the 15th when the moon is squaring off with neptune um i don't see any diplomatic solutions coming up as far as what's going on in any conflict going on around the world and there's quite a few conflicts going around the world um and so i don't see diplomacy really winning out just yet i honestly don't see diplomacy working till maybe december so and again we'll talk a little bit more about that as we go along so when the moon's squaring off with neptune we could see some big rain come up we could see some maritime issues issues with navies um we could see chemical spills chemical agents um issues with septic you know and there might be some big wind come up with that sagittarius moon throughout depending on where you are in the world and i know we have listeners in 68 countries so again you've got to pay attention to the weather going on um there's some big weather coming into europe you know with with this lunation with the new moon um and i believe coming into the southwest as well and i know there's big weather coming to the west coast of the united states midweek really when that moon hits capricorn it'll be in a sextile on the 15th um late at night 
because it comes in at 11.42 p.m. So almost midnight West Coast time. So about 2.42 a.m. Eastern. We'll have the moon enter uh, Capricorn and it'll be in a sextile with Saturn and Pisces. And that could be some pretty wet weather that could you know be some big big rain that hits we could see erosion events early in the morning of the uh 16th and when we get into like the 17th that was the chart i did have up um let's look in let's see yeah, around 5 p.m. Pacific, actually, maybe even starting a little bit before that, like maybe like around lunchtime Pacific, which is like three in the afternoon Eastern. Uh, we'll have the moon in a trine with Uranus and moving into an approaching conjunction with Pluto. This is really volatile energy. And it's in a sextile with Mars and the sun in Scorpio. So we have not only the Mars and the sun are really kind of keeping tabs on each other right now. I'm going to tell you right now, it's going to be very, very volatile. It'll remain volatile. And we could see some leadership changes globally. You could see attempted coups globally. Um, we could see um, health crises with leaders globally. I think there's been several world leaders that have been having health crises, but it's not really making the news much. There's been some propaganda, but there hasn't really been real news. And we may not hear about that um, directly, but there's probably some stuff going on. It's probably going to I'm, I'm concerned this week that we'll see an expansion of the conflict that's happening between Israel and um, Hamas. I think that could expand outside the borders of Israel, potentially more so than it already has. And that might be the day. So it might be like the 17th. It will be kind of crunchy through the afternoon into the evening in the United States. That would be moving into the early hours of the morning on, on the 18th um, in Europe and, and moving towards um, actually just the Eastern Hemisphere, Europe, Mediterranean era, area, uh, which includes the Levant, North Africa, West Africa. And it goes across. So I think we could see things escalate there. Um, there might be some stuff coming up in Asia as well. We might see some tensions. Now, I know the Asia Pacific region countries are meeting in the United States, in San Francisco. And there could be some tense things come out of that that happens i believe on the 15th on wednesday so when we look at friday night into saturday morning there could be there could be some repercussions from any any old 
policy playbook type stuff. So dominance and control isn't going to win the day. It's not. It, it, and what's sad about it, I was going to say funny, but it's not funny. What's sad about it, when I say the old playbook isn't going to work, it doesn't mean people aren't going to try it. Okay, so the the people who believe in dominance and control are going to kind of double down on it. And we're going to see evidence of that this week. And so that could be some real extreme behaviors and things we'd rather not see in the world. Going back to the personal level, these are times that are very creative for you. And I don't just mean art and music, but I mean being able to think differently. If you are stuck in thinking things can only be one way, that you can only do them certain ways, that, you know, if you're really mired in your social, cultural programming, it's going to be very, very bumpy. If you're able to kind of push through that and and try to do things a little differently, you'd be like, so why have I been quiet? Am I being quiet because I just don't think I'm going to be heard? Well, what if people actually did listen to me, right? So those, those, those are questions you can ask yourself, and I, I hope that helps. <clears throat> it continues to be crunchy. She chuckles as the moon then slides into Aquarius because it's going to be quickly making a square with Jupiter and that's going to be pretty explosive energy that will happen on, let's see, the 18th. Early in the morning, the the moon will move into Aquarius around 326 a.m. Pacific but the square won't really start until, let me see, about 5 a.m. We'll start to see the square from the moon to Jupiter. So that's going to be, you know, that's when it's really going to start. 5 a.m. Pacific, 8 a.m. Eastern. That's going to be pretty interesting. We could see south. The West. There might be some stuff going on in the Caribbean. We could see something going on in New Zealand. Um, and we still have Mars and the Sun conjunct. And and this is really, really strong energy. Again, it's still in a sextile with Pluto. This is very, very intense. We're going to see things we'd rather not see. We're going to hear about things out in the world that we'd rather not hear about. I want you to understand that we are cleaning up a great deal of what wasn't really taken care of. Things that were camouflaged through the way our media works, through how we consumed any kind of media, whether it was music or television, even how education has been run in the last 30 years was really kind of putting the blinders on people. And especially in the West, people are very quickly getting educated about balance of power politics. And so we're going to see things that don't really make us very happy when we look at the world. Um, 
I am not going to say don't look. I'm going to say bear witness because we have an opportunity to actually take care of these ongoing problems that really haven't existed for as long as people would like you to believe. Um, When you actually study the real history, it is not thousands of years. It's, It's a couple of hundreds of years. It's really since the Victorian era. And we really can clean it up if we consciously address it. And we have to consciously address things inside as well as out in the world. I'll talk a little bit more about that in the patron-only podcast. So on the 20th, we're getting towards the end of Scorpio season and the moon shifts into Pisces. Now remember, the moon governs our day-to-day activities. We like to look at those big ingresses of the other planets. But every two and a half days, the moon changes signs and the moon governs day-to-day life. So as the moon moves into Pisces, it will be conjunct Saturn. This is going to be probably some pretty wet weather. Um, I've been saying we're going to see more and more of the results of climate change. Um, And we're going to see that this is global. It could be very wet or you could see temperatures fluctuate. It could be more humid or it could even be more dry in a place that expects the wet weather. Just again, there's a million different ways to kind of play with that interpretation. And again, we still have the sun conjunct Mars and it's in a very tight sextile to Pluto in Capricorn on the 20th. It's very, very intense. Um, and as, as the moon in Pisces moves through, we're looking at like, oh gosh, on the 21st, we have the moon making a square with mercury we could see some really big transportation issues that day this could be shipping lanes this could be things to do with the navy this and any navy not just the united states's navy any kind of navy ship submarine um things to deal with like tides and the ocean we could see a tsunami um again we have the Mars and the sun are still conjunct. They're, they're within a degree of each other. The sun is in a pretty much exact, well, it's in a separating sextile at the time I'm looking at, which is like 5 a.m. on the 21st Pacific, where the sun is in a sextile with Pluto. And that is really intense energy. It's, it's very intense. We could, again, I think we could hear about all manner of things from septic, you know, septic systems, um, sepsis itself, diseases like cholera, typhoid. Um, we could hear about monsoons um, and big rains, hurricanes um, or typhoons. We could see we might be able to see some seismic activity. I do think we're looking more like at shipping lanes it's just very, 
very intense. And then the moon, of course, moving into a conjunction with Neptune further exacerbates the weather. It could be a very humid time. It could be, um, it could be pretty gnarly. So, and then on the 22nd, on the 22nd which is when the moon is conjunct neptune and this could be some big energy because we have uh, mars in a trine with neptune we have the sun in a trine with neptune it's been that way all week as we're looking at the 22nd and it's going to be intense so and we're looking right at south again this could be in the south pacific this could be um actually sorry northwest northwest this could be alaska this could be japan this could be um Gosh, this could be in the Middle East itself. We could see something with Iran, Afghanistan. This could be seismic activity. We could see something with Turkey. Um, It's quite a lot of energy going on. So, and the sun will move into Sagittarius that day. So that's something to keep in mind because Sag season is going to be starting on the 22nd. Anytime we have a change of sign, whether it's the moon, we'll feel it day to day. You know, every two and a half days, there's an energy shift. And if you're conscious of it, you'll almost, you know, physically feel it if you're sensitive. Um, or you'll notice the energy shift around people's moods might shift the 22nd at 9 20 a.m pacific the moon shifts into aries <laughs> and so that means the 23rd and 24th are going to be kind of gnarly All right, I'll be talking more about Sagittarius season next week on episode 50. Episode 50 of season three. Can you believe it? Can you believe it? Sometimes I put out two episodes a week, but most of the time we just do weekly now, and I do the patron only podcast. In the patron-only podcast, I'm going to get you a little bit more up-to-date with how to prepare for Sagittarius season in the part two of this episode. And next week, I'll cover Sagittarius season here on the Awake Space Astrology Podcast. Right now, I want to take a look at the father of yellow journalism, William Randolph Hearst. He was the Rupert Murdoch of his day. He was really very responsible for bringing uh, the media to play a large role in propagandizing things to make wars happen. In fact, when it came to the Spanish-American War, it probably wouldn't have happened if, if William Randolph Hearst wasn't involved. And in fact, he's very famous for telling Remington, who said there would be no war. They were trying to create a war with the Spanish um, over Cuba. 
And William Randolph Hearst said, furnish the pictures and I'll furnish the war. He was an interesting character. My mother wanted me to note that when he died, he left none of his money to his family and he left it all to his mistress. (laughs) Gotta have some good scuttlebutt there. He was uh, born in April of 1863, the 29th to be exact, in San Francisco at 5.58 a.m. He was a Taurus with his son in the 12th house, conjunct his Pluto in Taurus, and he did amass a fortune, that is for certain. He had his Mercury in Taurus, all of these three in the 12th house. He was a Taurus rising, so he liked the finer things in life. The Hearst Mansion is a very famous landmark in California. He had his North Node in Gemini, his Venus in Gemini, and his Uranus in Gemini in the first house. He was somewhat of an unpredictable character in some ways, but he had a strong and steady demeanor in others. He he had a really kind of interesting love life. Um, In fact, the film Citizen Kane was made pretty much about him by Orson Welles, and it got Orson Welles blacklisted in Hollywood for a good long time. If you don't know who Orson Welles is, give him a look up. If you haven't watched Citizen Kane, get some patience on and watch an old black and white movie because it was very cutting edge for its time. He had Mars and Gemini in the second house, and it was square Neptune in Aries. He was a little bit of an interesting fellow. He did make his money based on communications and media and newspaper. And being square Neptune in Aries, it would have been, he wouldn't have had a hard time sacrificing the truth to reach his objective. That is not always the case. Don't judge your friends or family by what I say about this man's chart. I am just talking about William Randolph Hearst. He had his moon in Virgo in the fifth house. He had Saturn retrograde in Virgo. Um, Yes, in Virgo, just at the very tail end at 29 degrees. And his Jupiter was in Libra in the sixth house. And uh, it was retrograde. So again, maybe the truth is... It depends. Was it meeting the objective? His north node was in Sagittarius in the seventh house. And he he, uh, was very interesting, again, in his relationships. Not too different for the time, though. Although in leaving his fortune to his mistress, that very much bucked against convention. Wasn't that people didn't have mistresses, it's just they didn't tend to leave the fortune. He was an interesting character. He had an unsuccessful bid for president. Um, And again, he was very responsible for um, (laughs) building up yellow journalism. So... He was willing to experiment. He's He's got some interesting quotes. One of those was, don't be afraid to make a mistake. Your readers might like it. So again, whether it's, you know, are we going to stick to the facts? Or are we going to let the facts get in the way of a good story? Um, he was famous for saying, um, 
if somebody was suggesting gifts, he, he said money is appropriate and one size fits all. Um, he he was a very very interesting publisher and magnet, and he lived till 1951, so he had a pretty good long life there. I'm bringing up yellow journalism because when we look at mainstream media, it, it is owned by very few people who have a great amount of resources. And these people are adjacent to the military industrial complex. And words matter. I've been talking about that a lot lately. But if you go back to, to 2020 when I was blogging a lot and I was just starting out on TikTok, um, I was talking a lot about warring rhetoric and how dangerous it is. And I was warning in 2020 that using language that paints one side as the good guy, one side as the bad guy is dangerous because the fact is there are people who are beholden to interests. Okay. And what do I mean by interests? I mean money, 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 money. And the people who can control the narrative keep power. Why do you think they keep going after social media? Why do you think that we've seen Twitter become X? Why do you think uh, we see, you know, it, people are still on it. They still use it, but it's not curated well. It's kind of lost some of its integrity. Why do you think... You know, Zuckerberg built Facebook, which is pretty much the AOL of social media, and I'm not giving it a compliment by that. I remember a much less restricted internet than AOL. I, I had that good fortune of being on it when firewalls weren't all that big a deal and you just asked a better question. And people talk about social media being dangerous and they're going to go after TikTok. Now, will TikTok survive it? possible it's possible i'm it's gonna have to fight a hearty fight now the restrict act got killed in committee but maria cantwell is the senator from washington and she's working on a senate bill called the guard act you know in any time people are trying to protect us for our own good you know, claiming oh, the kids are there, the poor children. Well, obviously, our politicians don't care that much about children. Uh, they keep claiming they care about children. But we've watched education go down the tubes, regardless of which party had the majority in Congress. We've watched uh, children all over the world die from war and famine. Whether we're looking at the Democratic Republic of Congo, Sudan, uh, the problem in Eritrea and, and Tigray and Ethiopia, looking at um, the actions that have been happening in Azerbaijan, Armenia, 
when we go back to the 90s and we looked at the Balkans, when we bombed a million civilians in Iraq in an illegal war based on false premises. It had nothing to do with 9-11. It was on, based on lies. And as a Middle East specialist, I was calling up every elected official I could saying, you know it's not true. What the hell are you doing? That destabilizes the region. It puts our national security at risk. And of course, what we're seeing in Palestine today, which is a disproportionate use of force. And it has become very obvious that propaganda was was very much used. I'm not saying there weren't innocent civilians killed on October 7th. However, the narrative that was spun was propaganda it it wasn't and the propaganda was to dehumanize the palestinian people just like we keep hearing you know there's no civilians there you know they're all in it that's propaganda and it's very clearly propaganda it's very boldly propaganda and it's just an old playbook that will not work over time Okay, it will not work over time. So it is important to be very careful about digesting language, especially in headlines, especially in news stories, when there are about five individuals who own all of the media in the United States. Five individuals. CNN used to be center-ish. It was hardly left-leaning, but it was center-ish. It is very right-leaning. And we have moved so far to the right in the United States in the last 40 years, so far to the right, that even what people consider progressives are honestly just asking for rollbacks, especially when we're looking at taxation and social services, rollbacks to the Eisenhower administration in the 50s. And Eisenhower was a Republican. Okay. So it's important to kind of take a step back and understand that media will try to disempower you. They will try to slander uh, various means of communication whether it is tiktok or you know if they get rid of tiktok it's going to be something else they're going to go after something else because they don't want us getting to know each other on a global level why do you think they made it harder and harder to travel after 9-11 okay we didn't used to have to produce identification to travel domestically You did not have to show your papers. I was against that as well because it makes it harder for people to travel that that have a harder time gaining access to ID cards, etc. International travel, you only needed your passport, you know, and whatever relevant visa before that. And, you know, they claim it's for your own good. It's for your own good. I am always nervous when somebody's trying to protect me and make me safe because safety is an illusion. Safety is an illusion. Nothing in this physical existence is 100% guaranteed safe. 
it is an illusion. So when politicians try to protect me, <laughs> especially protect me from myself, um, but even from other people, you know, uh, that makes me very nervous because that sets up a police state. And we've had a police state for quite some time. It may not seem like that. If you are a person who has more privilege, you may not witness that directly, but marginalized communities do and dissidents do people who speak out. So people who are speaking out politically, um, you know, if they take the means of communication away, it's harder to organize, I, you know, but the internet is the internet. We will find a way. And I do not see the internet going away anytime soon. There may be disruption to the internet, but it is really hard to take it all the way down because it is not a singular thing. When, when the older politicians were talking about the kill switch, you know, well, it just showed a severe lack of understanding of how the internet works. It's not one single network, just like in the United States, we do not have a singular power grid. We don't have single power grids in states. It would be one, ridiculously stupid, two, hard to maintain. You know, so we have many, many, many small grids that interconnect so there are things and buzzwords people say and they sound really officious and very confident and it makes people believe it and that's that's how people get away with propaganda and so you know you really want to listen to people who who parse the information out in, I wouldn't say a neutral way. I don't think we need to be neutral. I think neutral is not a position we can afford right now because we're moving into some really crazy times, especially come 2024. There is some really crazy times ahead and into 2025. It's wild folks. It's wild. And why? Because we're cleaning up post-World War II issues we never cleaned up. We went straight into the Cold War, which was propaganda-filled no matter what side you were on. There was crazy stuff put in and and this idea that, you know, we dehumanized one another. We made the it was almost like living in the Marvel, Marvel universe. And if you were a halfway thinking person and you investigated things and decided to study it, you were a danger. You were a danger. In fact, I've got another William Randolph Hearst quote here. Hang on, let me find it. <clears throat> Any man who has the brains to think and the nerve to act for the benefit of the people of the country is considered a radical by those who are content with stagnation and willing to endure disaster. Okay. And willing to desert, you know, uh, <clears throat> endure disaster. That's, that's a lot. You know, that's, that is a lot. It is very, very apt today. And, uh, hang on, I'll get to this. So we'll talk a little bit more about him and see if any of this is ringing true to today. All right. Because he he was something else. 
So William Randolph Hearst was an American newspaper publisher who built the nation's largest newspaper chain and whose methods profoundly influenced the history of American journalism. Hearst entered the publishing business in 1887 after being being given control of the San Francisco Examiner by his wealthy father. Moving to New York City, he acquired the New York Journal and engaged in a bitter circulation war with Joseph Pulitzer's New New York World that led to the creation of yellow journalism, sensationalized stories featuring crime, corruption, and sex, and sometimes dubious and of sometimes dubious veracity. So remember, I told you he would sacrifice the truth to get the story out. And so did Pulitzer. Acquiring more newspapers, Hearst created a chain that numbered nearly 30 papers in American cities at its peak. He later expanded to magazines, creating the largest newspaper and magazine business in the world. If you can look him up online, he was actually a little bit handsome with that Taurus rising going on. He was twice elected as a Democrat to the House of Representatives and ran unsuccessfully for mayor of New York City in 1905 and 1909 and for governor of New York in 1906. His life story was the main inspiration for Charles Foster Kane, the lead character in Orson Welles' film, Citizen Kane. So, he, uh, he had some interesting quotes. Now, remember, he, he had quite a bit of Gemini going on in that chart to go up with that Taurus and the Virgo moon to top it off, which will square his Venus. We hold that no person or set of persons can properly establish a standard of expression for others. Okay. Whatever is right can be achieved through the irresistible power of awakened and informed public opinion. Our object, therefore, is not to inquire whether a thing can be done, but whether it ought to to be done and to so exert the forces of publicity that public opinion will compel it to be done. Now that's a really important quote. I'm going to read that again. Whatever is right, who gets to determine that by the way, can be achieved through the irresistible power of awakened and informed public opinion. Okay. Awakened. So people who are conscious. Okay. And informed. So people used to watch the news and read the newspaper to be informed. You were a person who could read. That was a big deal at the beginning of the 20th century. Not everybody could read. Our literacy rate is still abysmally low at 79% of the population. You know, that's that's 21% of the population who is functionally illiterate. But we, we take this. That's why people watch the news. Like in my parents' age group, they're just really addicted. And there's people my age too in their 50s who just watch the news because you had to be informed. You had to be informed. And this journalist tells the truth, right? Well, they haven't been telling the truth since a long time ago. Even in broadcast journalism, the things were said with confidence, and assuredly, and just the facts. Hmm. So our object, therefore, is not to inquire whether a thing can be done, 
but whether it ought to be done and so exert the forces of publicity that public opinion will compel it to be done. So generating public outcry. Now this is where we sit with the Israel-Palestines conflict right now. Okay. Or the genocide that's going on because that's the more appropriate term to call it because that is what it is. It is massive breach of international law. Uh, they are is the government of Israel is not able to sway the global public opinion. Now, it's still very blatant and that has me concerned. What what makes you and it may be the fact that they have undisclosed nuclear weapons <laughs> which everybody knows they have. Um it may be that they think the United States is going to have their back the whole time. And it could get really interesting if Turkey decides to step up their involvement. And we may see things like that roll out over the next week or so, because we're entering a new phase with this new moon in these conflicts. And Mars and the sun are sticking right together. And that, oh, That's pretty feisty energy, and it continues to happen through Sagittarius season. Mars and the Sun stand together. So this is not a time where diplomacy is going to be at the fore. So there may be things that happen that try to appear to be surprises that are not surprises. And that is all I'm going to say here. I might talk about a little bit more on the patron only. Um, podcasts, but if if you can't put two and two together with what I'm alluding to there, um, don't don't ask because I'm not, probably not going to say much more. Another quote. Um, this is very interesting. What has become of the descendants of the irresponsible adventurers, the scapegrace sons, the bond servants, the redemptionists, and the indentured maidens? the undesirables and even the criminals which made not made up not all but of course but nevertheless a considerable part of the earliest emigrants to this to these virgin countries they have become the leaders of the thought of the world the vanguard and the march of progress the inspirers of liberty the creators of national prosperity the sponsors of universal education and enlightenment very interesting communication to the American Crime Study Commission. It, that sounds almost sarcastic, methinks. The narrow-minded bigots have given to this country and to the world freedom of speech, freedom of thought and action and religious liberty. That was also a communication. It's very interesting. I wonder what he quite meant. Um, he speaks he speaks in double speak. Any man who has the brains to think and the nerve to act, I think I've already read that one, um, but we'll remind you, in uh, the nerve to act for the benefit of the people of the country is considered a radical by those who are content with stagnation and willing to endure disaster. And that was an interview with Cleveland Plain Dealer, 24th of October, 1932. Um very interesting and here's the last thing I have from the New York Journal 
the 1st of November 1954, so it would have been before he died. According to American principle and practice, the public is the ruler of the state, and in order to rule rightly, it should be informed correctly. And it is, I guess, disputed that he said, you you furnish the pictures, I'll furnish the war. But I know when I was studying um, journalism way back in the 80s, it was very much known that he was played a big role in making the Spanish-American War happen. And that's what put America on the map as a world power. Um, or entering into colonial territory as a colonizing country other than having been colonized and the product of colonialization and the continual con it, it, it's a very strange history the United States has but we, we took on the Philippines as a territory after that so it's fascinating my friends at how if we don't stay aware of how language is used how things are are shown to us and that's kind of why the narrative hasn't been working is because you've had citizen journalists on the ground you've had just every day these young people people are following more so even than the the professional journalists people are following I would I would say kids, but they're y- young people, young adults who were social media people or photographers or what have you, and just with the use of their cell phone and whatever internet connection they can get, they're they're showing very very graphic images, and it is it is revealing truth that we wouldn't see. We didn't see that stuff coming out of Iraq. We didn't see that stuff coming out of Afghanistan. Um, and so it's very important that the American public stay very, very involved in their local politics, their, their state, clear the house. There's endeavors to look at getting more independent candidates into the house of representatives, which is entirely possible. Don't believe the stagnant narrative. All right. I think it's time for some patron shout outs and uh, I'm going to talk a little bit about 2024 after that because there's some dates I want you guys to keep in mind. Keep this episode, this this episode will be chock-a-block of thought-provoking information because why? We've got Mercury and Sagittarius in a sextile with Venus and we need to get our thinking caps on, my friends. It is time for patron shoutouts. Without you, there is no me. Big thank you to our latest patrons. We have Terry A.S., Jamie, Eleanor, Christy, Candace, Barry, Bethany, Luz, Nix, Joshua, Asha, Aaron, Krista, JG, Hilga, Megan, Christina, Catherine, Diane, Aaron, Tara, Nehemi, or Nehemi. If I'm saying your name wrong, correct me in the Discord. Shantae, 
Eliza, Benny, Bobby, Yvonne, Jessica, Mary Kay, Isabeau, Paola, Gabrielle, Marie, Leslie, Liv, Diana, Elena, Carmen, Chelsea, Laura, Leanne, Maddie, Victoria, JC, Erica, Beverly, a sipsy, Jessica, Emma, Jasmine, Jen, Austin, Danny, Liz, Stacy, Lorna, Rebecca, Sarah, Mandy, Alex, Christina, Jennifer, Nicole, Joyce, Mari, Maria, Jessica, El Bravo, Sarah Jane, Jalisa, Taryn, Samantha, Allie, Amber, OK Aaron, Bird, Ruben, Amber, Madonna, Roxana, Koki, April, Julie, Sandy, and Tina. Tina? I'm hoping I said those names right. So if I did not, let me know in the Discord, in the podcast section, so I pronounce your name right. Uh, we had a great Planet of the Month Club uh, workshop today, or Sunday, and we looked at Neptune. We looked at Neptune. If you are in Planet of the Month. Make sure you watch the video and join in in the discussion. I'd love to hear your observations. Uh, it's important to ruminate on these things. You guys don't have to impress me. Just I, I love the exploration. We've got Mars, I mean, Mercury in Sagittarius. Mars is on the way. But Mercury's in Sagittarius. It's the time to explore ideas, philosophies, and concepts. Um, other stuff coming up. We've got Coffee with Lori at the end of the month. The last Sunday of every month is Coffee with Lori in the Discord where we meet up and we hang out. You guys can talk to me and I can hear your beautiful voices. We catch up. We do a little social time. You can ask me questions there about astrology, about life, about philosophy. Uh, let's see. What else have we got going Oh man, it's crazy. I'm getting, I'm, <laughs> I'm supposed to be moving this week. We'll see what happens with that. Um, I'm a little dubious. I'm a little dubious about it all. I tell you, we'll see. We'll see how it goes. Um, we'll see how the, maybe when the moon's in Pisces, I think it's probably going to happen when the moon's in Pisces, maybe Aries. No, it won't be Aries. Sorry, maybe Aquarius, maybe the end of that Aquarius lunation, early Pisces. We'll see. We'll see how it goes. Um, it's funny because I told them it probably wasn't going to happen just yet. Nobody listens to the astrologer when it's mom. But yeah, anywho, I want to thank each and every one of you for being a patron and, uh, it's very meaningful to me that you guys want to hear what I have to say. You got your new astrology planner that's good for the month. The astrologers will help me do it from now on. I did everything this time, but we're going to come together as a team to do it because it's one of those things that's kind of time consuming, but I want you to have it to be accurate. You know, anybody can just write horoscopes out of their brain you know like 90% of the horoscopes you see out there aren't actual proper horoscopes they're just people giving keywords for your signs so you resonate with it where I like 
do mental gymnastics trying to give as accurate a forecast as I can, uh, even though it's still going to be general. (laughs) And oh my gosh, it's a lot. And so for the last almost three years, it's been two years, um, I've been trying to figure out how to make that work and make it a collaborative effort. And I think, I think we finally found a way to do it. Headlines will be out as soon as I'm done recording the podcast. Um, if you didn't know about that, I do what's in the headlines. I, you know, I'm late on that too, because this has been a crazy month. Who would have known that taking a couple of days to do the Patreon creator fast would uh, put me put me behind so that just showed me I need to rework how I do things <laughs> I'm using that new moon for that I'm using that and I hope you guys have a really good new moon uh, next segment I'm going to be talking first about some important dates in 2024 and then we'll do a couple of questions from the Q&A googly sheet from patrons And then I got to get to recording the patron-only podcast that comes out on Tuesday, November 14th. I'd love to tell you that 2024 is a dulcet year full of calm and ease, but it it will not be. It is quite a year, and if you didn't know that I'm doing the 2024 year ahead on December 3rd, now you do. There is still some room. It's filling up pretty fast. I have limited space, and I'm only doing it on December 3rd. Um, Everybody who registers will get the recording. We'll do a Q&A. I will record the Q&A, but only the registered participants will get that. I often put the recording up for sale for people who couldn't attend or didn't have time. And so if you're a patron, you've got your 50% off discount. And that's for $5 tier and up. And then let's see. Um... If you're on my email list, you got a discount as well. I think it was saved 20 bucks. So I'll put that out again in this week's newsletter. Didn't write a newsletter for a little bit. I got a little quiet there. Um, Sometimes the world just gets to us astrologers too. So, but there's a couple of dates I want you guys to keep in mind. The first is January 1st of 2024. <laughs> That's right. Unlike this year where we started the year off slow, and I know it may be hard to remember back to January because we've lived like 10 years in one year again. Uh, but 2023 didn't didn't really start with a bang. It, it kind of felt like 2022 until uh, like mid-month and then it just was off to the races so we look at um hold on we've got to look at january 1st is when uh, mercury goes retrograde that evening so or not retrograde goes direct it's retrograde in december it goes direct january 1st of twenty twenty. And so things start popping right away, right out of the gate, right out of the gate, my friends. 
Um, a couple of other dates. I know everybody's looking at those eclipses and the Jupiter-Uranus conjunction, and those are very significant events. However, there's a couple of dates that kind of came to my attention. Um, March 19th will be the equinox. And, um, <laughs> or the 20th will be, but, you know. The sun is at like 29 degrees, 50 minutes on March 19th of 2024. And the moon will be in Leo opposite Pluto. That's a pretty wild one. And we've got a conga line of planets. It's just, you know, we have Mars in Aquarius. Now it's not in an opposition to, to um, the moon and it's not conjunct Pluto. It, it's, uh, it will be earlier though it'll be um it'll be there let's see when does it ingress oh what date do we need to look at there because it'll be in opposition do we have 2024 here february of 2024 mm -mm. let me check I don't have my slides up in front of me. So Mars moves into Capricorn on uh, the 4th of, of January. Now it won't be in opposition to Pluto at that point because Pluto moves into, well, it, yeah, it won't be because it'll be at zero degrees at that point and Pluto will be at 29 until it moves into Aquarius on the 20th of January. Now that's going to be a very significant day. Okay. Now this isn't the final ingress into Aquarius though. You remember <laughs> Pluto slips back into Capricorn in September. Uh, we'll have Venus in Capricorn on the 23rd and then Uranus stations direct on the 26th. So the big dates, the first we're going to have, um, <laughs> we're going to have the 20th. Oh, we're in danger because the sun and Pluto will be conjunct that day because the sun moves into Aquarius and then Pluto moves into Aquarius. That's his big bada boom energy. And then all hell breaks loose as Uranus stations direct because time just will start flinging by. And then, um, Let's see, Mars will remain. Oh, let's see. We just quickly, Mars moves into Pisces in late March. That's going to be crazy. So where is my Mars in Aquarius? There we go. The 12th of February will be another big date because that Mars will ingress into Aquarius right into an opposition with Pluto. That's going to be wild. I'll be talking about this in much more detail in the seminar. But, oh, that's crazy. And then Venus moves into Aquarius. So we're probably going to see a global economic shakeup. This could be pretty wild, especially when we look at the potential of expanding conflicts. Um, I'm afraid the situation isn't going to end anytime soon in the Middle East. It's going to continue on. I wish it wasn't. I wish I had better news for people in that respect. Um, 
it's going to be pretty crazy. And of course, it's an election here, year here in the United States. Of course, when we move into April, we've got, um, well, actually, there's a date in March. That's right. So, hang on. So the 19th is the equinox. That's right. The 19th is the, the spring equinox and or fall equinox. If you're in the Southern hemisphere, I know we've got folks in the Southern hemisphere. I don't want to be hemispherist on you, but that is going to be kind of a wild and crazy day because let me pull it up. That's when the moon is going to be in opposition to Pluto. That's always going to be very, very dynamic. Um, very dynamic. And we have Mars in an, you know, it, it will have already been square Uranus um, earlier in March. So March is chock-a-block crazy. Now, what's interesting is when I look at March of 1939, yeah, you heard me, we actually had um, Pluto at 29 degrees of Cancer. And I've been telling everybody we've been, we're on the flip side of 38, 39. Last year was more like 38. They were on more on the flip side of 39 this year and in the fall next year. And so if you went into about six weeks from March 20th, which would have been what? We would have gone into April, May of 1939. You would have you would have seen some real shenanigans going on in Europe, um, but there was a whole lot of other stuff going on too. We had 1939 was a very dynamic year, so we're on the flip side of World War II, folks. It's just how it is. Pluto moved into Leo in 1939, just like we've got. Pluto moving into Aquarius in 2024. There were some pretty big events that happened in October of 1939. And interestingly, the nodes were also in the Aries Libra axis. Only the, the node had just moved into Libra October 20th of 1939. Go ahead and Google some of those dates and see what was going on in world history. So March 19th is a big date. August 12th is another biggie. We have Mars conjunct Jupiter in Gemini. Okay, Mars conjunct Jupiter in Gemini in opposition with the moon. Um, well... No, the moon is opposite um, Uranus. We'll have Mercury and Venus conjunct in Virgo. It's a little bit wild. Just saying. So that's a really crazy day. What's going to happen? It's probably extremely volatile. Um... This could be worrying, worrying words. We could see big windstorms. Um, like I've been saying, climate change is going to disrupt global conflict. And I, I think it's going to put a spanner into the works, maybe a little bit in the winter of 2024, 2025 to any diabolical warlike plans, but also moving into 25, 26 is winter 
it, it's not going to be great. But I think we kick up with some really big storms uh, because we'll also have with that Mars Jupiter conjunction squaring off with Saturn and Pisces, this could be some big bada boom energy. This, this, it could be warlike energy. It could be seismic. It could be weather. I'll, again, I'll be talking about this in much more detail. I just kind of, kind of give you a sample of 2024. I know you're tired. Okay. I know you're tired. I know we're all tired, but so were like our grandparents and great grandparents and their grandparents. Um, we've, we've, especially in the States been very sheltered by many things. If you've had the privilege of that, um, it is not the time to, to wallow. It is the time to be very adaptive. It's the time to be more collective in our thinking and we need to shore up our interdependence. So that means we've got to be on our game, guys. We've got to be on our game. Uh, let's take a look at what other dates here I've got for you. <laughs> oh, it's a wild time on the planet. Let me tell you. <sighs> November, or actually, did I get the October... So, like, October, what was it, like, 20th is going to be a wild day of 2024. That's right into election season, where it's, it's weeks away from the election. Mars and Cancer are opposite Pluto and Capricorn <laughs> at 29 degrees. Um, it, it's going to be craptastic. Let me tell you, I think we'll probably see public violence. I think we're going to see um, interference with elections. I think we're going to see intimidation. I, I think there's going to be all manner of things. Plus, oh, wait, there's more. Mars will be in a square with the sun in Libra. And uh, on the 16th, actually more like the early 17th, you'll have the moon squaring off with Mars and Pluto and in an opposition we'll have a tease uh, we'll have a grand cross kind of going on there with the moon in opposition to the sun that'll be the full moon um, and in square with Mars and Pluto and that that's going to be a very intense time November 2nd days away from the election is another big date and we have Mars and Cancer directly opposite Pluto this it's within minutes of it at the time I took it's going to be a very contentious election season I want you guys to focus less on who's president. I'm not saying it's not important, but if you do not for focus on the house, you don't understand how the system works. Okay. You got to clean up the house. We've got to clean up the house. I know there's a move to get a bunch of independence in that might be good, but make sure you do your research. Okay. People can promise anything. They can say anything. You want to check what are their actions. Okay. 
That's really important. Don't just let an incumbent sit just because they've always been there and they have experience. That also means they've been bought and paid for, my friends. It means they've been bought and paid for. And don't let people sell you the lesser of two evils. You think, you know, oh no, women's rights. Guess what? They're gone. We have to fight to get them back. We have to fight to get them back. After all the hard work. <laughs> Of my mother's and grandmother's generation, you gotta fight again. Uh, don't ever let anybody tell you it's not time to codify something or to have civil liberties. Yeah. So, those are some of the dates in 2024, and there's a whole lot more. Let me tell you that 2024 year ahead is probably going to be about two hours long. There is so much to go through. Now, if you already came to the event, you got your, your code to get into this one. If you came to the June event and if you can't come, don't book, you'll still get your version of the recording. All right, let's look at some patron questions and those come into the googly sheet. Uh-oh, what happened? Where is it? Oh, no. Oh, there it is. <laughs> I have that TikTok sound in my head. Oh, no. <laughs> Alrighty, let's see. Oh, I answered this one on the patron only, but this is a good one. Do I ever worry about AI as an astrologer? This is from Cheyenne. Uh, I asked ChatGPT some very basic questions about astrology and it gave super general answers, but it got me thinking, what if it ever gets good in the future? Your thoughts? Um, <laughs> I have put ChatGPT to the astrology test and it always refers me to a professional astrologer. I think astrology to do it well is, is it's, it's not linear. And as long as computer programs work in a binary fashion, a linear fashion until quantum computing gets going, I, I think our day job is safe. Um, but you know, there's a lot of people who call themselves astrologers out there that are pretty general too. So it might be a challenge or a threat to people who aren't actual consulting astrologers and, and just kind of go by the moniker, but aren't really it. But I'm, I'm, I'm feeling a little more secure than, than people would think I should. Maybe I'm just arrogant, right? So let's see what is up on deck. Let's see. Cheyenne is asking, what does it mean to have challenging placements or a challenge or challenged houses? That's actually a really good question, Cheyenne. Um, challenging placements are often called that when it's a square and opposition, or if you've got like, a heavy hitting outer planet with an inner planet together in a conjunction just shows a level of intensity. That's what it means, what a challenging placement can be. But again, I like to call that creative. And then what most people call like a nice placement, you know, they usually describe trines as a nice placement. I consider that like a supporting aspect. So Conjunctions can go either way. It depends on what planets are conjunct. Um, 
and then you know so it can be either a challenging or supportive aspect squares and oppositions can be a challenging or creative aspect sextiles and trines are more um, some people might consider them a benefic aspect or i like to say a supportive aspect because um i've got a lot of sextiles and trines in my chart and when i was first studying astrology people were like you're so lucky and i was like my life has not really been lucky you know i'm okay i'm lucky to be alive <laughs> but i suffered a lot of trauma but i did have always encouragement and love so i got i you know given the extremity of the trauma i always had support so i i decided to look at things as creative or supportive so that's that answer that was a good question let's see what else we got coming down the line here Allie, what was one of the deciding factors that led me to become an astrologer um <laughs> that's a great question Allie. uh well astrology fell into me so I was seeking answers and trying to find reasons for why my life was falling apart. It, lucky guess if you guessed it was a Pluto transit and a Saturn transit and a Neptune transit all at the same time. <laughs> Woo! Good times. Um, psychology wasn't really answering my questions. It was the mid-90s. Uh, there wasn't a lot of hope in psychology and psychology I was basically doomed <laughs> you know it's like you will always be screwed up um I did not wish to always be screwed up I wanted to eventually be happy and, and live a reasonably contented life I wasn't asking for the moon you know and astrology fell into my lap um I really started studying it to debunk it because it bothered me that the person who was thousands of miles away from me could know that much about me. And so I was like, what's this parlor trick? Let me, let me prove this mumbo jumbo wrong. <laughs> oh, the arrogance of youth. Um, and then just the more I studied, the more I practiced, the more I learned about the usefulness of it, not just as understanding ourselves. I think personal personality astrology is great. It does help give us a better understanding of self and it helps us, you know, deconstruct our social cultural programming, which I was already on that journey. Um, just to know that I could use it for timing. I could help other people like make sense of their lives that the world didn't have a lot of answers for. So that was kind of it. And then how did I become like the, the definitive moment where I decided to be in a professional astrologer was I was a broke single mom back in the States and I needed money in my astrology teacher at the time mentor basically told me won't well, get your ass out there and put an ad in the classifieds and start reading charts and i was like i can't he's like you're more than ready you're never going to be more ready than this just start you know what to do and so i did <laughs> that was kind of it it was like well because no one would accept my references from overseas because a young lady could not have possibly been to all those countries and done all those things. 
Oh, yeah. It was like that back then. Probably still like that. Who knows? Misogyny. That's how it happened. And there weren't, um, you know, there were professional astrologers who were women, but there were more men and still are in like the more academic side. All right. Heather is asking, are there natal placements or transits that would indicate someone being or feeling invisible, ignored, looked over, unheard, et cetera, by others, even in, unintentionally? Um, I think everybody feels that way sometimes. It just, you know, um, to be honest, I think a lot of times we put too much emphasis on what other people think. And so we can drive people away unconsciously by, by that. Um, I think what you can do to overcome it is, is to take the advice I was given. <laughs> this isn't even my own advice. When I started, um, when I started networking after many years of not having been around a lot of people, if you guys think the lockdowns were bad, I, I was isolated for many years on a freaking Island. And I decided to leave said Island to network and I was rusty. And I was very unseen and very unheard where I lived. Okay. I did not mesh in the area. It was not great astrocartography. And I just didn't really fit in with the community there very much. And so I had some friends. Don't get me wrong. I did. But I was still pretty unseen. Plus, I was a mom. And I was in my 30s, and you kind of evaporate at a certain point in society, especially if you care. Um, and uh, I asked a friend in, in, at the online school I taught at, and I said, hey, I'm going to go networking. What's your advice? Because they were a really good networker. They were always out doing events and things, and they said, be interesting or be interested, not interesting. And so asking other people about how they're doing, not just offering advice, not just showing off what we know or our skill sets, but just being generally interested in other people just really, really helps. And that worked really great for me personally, because I'm not particularly good at small talk. Um, and so when I went to these events, I didn't either overwhelm people <laughs> with information or, you know, talk about my special interests a little bit too much, or I wasn't just like lost for words. So, you know, I'd meet somebody and I'd be like, tell me about yourself. And, and I realized the more I did that, the more people did become interested and, you know, how can I support you? Like, what can I do to help? Um, all of that is, has been like really, really helpful and that can help get our Venus working to our advantage. So whenever we feel kind of deprived and de bereft or invisible, we're often kind of 
pushing away what's coming towards us. And so it's really important to kind of like take a step back and take a breath. And, and honestly, sometimes it's locational too. Like, like again, on the island, um, I just was not ever going to be seen or heard. It didn't matter what I did, how I volunteered. I gave thousands of hours to that community. It just, it wasn't my place when I came down to LA, which is huge. You know, all of a sudden, you know, everything popped and, and that's because it's different astrocartography. Yay for a Jupiter influence, right? So that's kind of that. I, I would I would practice just kind of asking people about themselves and learning how to use open questions and um, maybe just if, if something's not landing, you know, just try try a different way. All right, I'll do one more and then we'll end the episode. Um, let's see. Well, this is a, another good question from Heather. Most pet owners of rescues do not know the birth time or birth date of our babies, but if we do remember the date, time, and location of the the adoption occurred, what types of things can we learn about this chart involving our fur babies? Well, you'll see your transits, you know, that that's going to be the transits of the day, you know, and it could also set the date of, of the relationship between you and your fur baby and just kind of show the energy of that. So, you know, yeah, that, that'll just tell you a little bit about how you guys get along, what was going on. Um, I'm trying to remember from Malcolm, I think it was my Venus return that I got Malcolm on pretty sure it was just before my solar return. So I'm pretty sure it was my Venus return. And that was kind of nice to know that he's a Venus return baby, but yeah. All right. I'm going to check one more. I'm such, Oh my God. It's like, you know, like when you eat crackers or olives or something, you're just going to do one more and then you're stopping, but then you eat another one. Okay, so Alexandra is asking, how important are numbers when predicting the theme of the year? For example, the year 2020, there was a global pandemic that forced many into quarantine at home. When it added up, the numbers were equal to four. You know, tw- two plus zero plus two plus zero. Could the fourth house be the theme of the year for 2020? No, you are reading too much into things. Yeah, that, that was the rest of the question. Or am I reading too much into things? Numerology does not always correspond directly with astrology. Numerology is a very, very valid divination tool, but I think it's, we have to be very, very careful about blending things. Okay. Because numerology has its system and its rules and astrology has its system and its rules. If if you use the number four to, equate to the fourth house there have been many other four years where there were no lockdowns so no um nicole cormier 
is a really good uh, numerologist. She's the numerology lady. You can find her in our Discord. She is a P. The recording cut me off and I don't want to re-record. So you can find Nicole in our in our patron Discord. If you want to learn more about numerology, you can follow her on her social medias. Give her a tag in the podcast um, channel in the Discord. All right, guys. It has been wild and wonderful. I hope the new moon gives you some much needed energy. Be careful out there. People might be a little unpredictable. Um, Drive safe. Wear your seatbelt. Keep your hands on the wheel. I hope you found perfect parking. If you've been out and about, if the weather's kicking up, stay nice and dry. And... uh, for everybody around the world my love goes to you may we find our humanity together and be kind be kind to yourself be kind to others i'm Lori rivers and it is my pleasure to wrap up episode 49 of the awake space astrology podcast talk to you next week <laughs>